If you have a Bible today or an iPad or iPhone, let's look on the screens today. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a verse of scripture here at the end of the love chapter. It's what they call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And there's a verse of scripture here at the end that really just jumped out at me, and I think it's relevant to you and I as where we are today and what's going on. I'm in a series based on this actual uh, verse of scripture. It says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. And notice there's these three uh, spiritual forces that are in you and I's lives as believers. And it says, of course, at the end of this, and again, this is the love chapter. It talks about that, you know, the greatest of these is love. And, of course, in chapter 14, verse 1, it says you're to pursue this God kind of love. But I was really reading over this, and it's really strong on my heart to take these three uh, elements of our faith and our, our foundation of faith, which is faith, hope, and love, and take a look at these things because I believe that we do need, you know, greater faith in understanding who God is in us and who He is and in our lives and what he can do. Of course, we need divine hope, which is basically a, a belief, an expectation beyond where we are. And then, of course, the, the love of God. Uh, so many times we read chapter uh, 13, and yes, it's referring to the love of God in us, especially towards one another. But then there's this love of God that, that's a, a force that we're to live in. But again, let's, let's look at the first one over in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I want to talk about and sort of bring a reflection refreshing, if you don't mind, to the subject of faith. I believe with so many things that are in our society right now, with fear prevalent and all kinds of things attacking you, and I think it's important to have the, a foundation of faith. You know, faith is very important. I know some people sort of say, well, I have faith when I got born again. Well, it goes beyond that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment here. But in Colossians chapter 2, notice what it says in verses 6 and 7. It says, as you therefore have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him. And this is so foundational to me as a pastor, is for you and I to walk in a relationship with the Lord. One of the things that I won't say about you as an individual and as a believer and as a part of Metroplex Family Church, and, and for those that are watching that we soon want to see, and of course we welcome everyone, but notice what it says here, to walk in him. And this to me is so important. So many people know the Lord as far as salvation but they don't know the Lord as far as personal relationship. And that's one of the things that really as a pastor, that's one of the main focuses of my life. And it goes into verse 7 and says here, rooted. Everybody say rooted. And I can't help but coming from an agricultural background when the word rooted as I watched my grandparents and my dad plant thousands and thousands of plants, that the, what we had during the uh, winter time of the year before we went into spring is we always had these seedlings that would come into these big, large, white containers. And uh, they were all little rooted plants about that big, well, depending on what the plant was. But I remember growing up seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these boxes and the, and the employees that worked for my grandparents pulling all these things and establishing them and putting them into these pots with this perfect soil. My granddad, he made his own soil. This is before you could buy soil uh, like you have today uh, at the different locations. So he made his own, <laughs> and it was pure. And uh, he then, of course, transferred that into all these thousands and millions, I mean literally millions of black pots that we used to have at Jacob's Flowers all over that hill area. And they put these little seedlings in there, and then they would start the process. And later, of course, they would grow from a seedling to a plant. And that's what I want. And it says right here, rooted and built up in who? In Jesus. Not in the church, not in yourself, but it says in the Lord. And watch this in verses 7, in, in, the, in, the, in the middle of verse 7, it says... And 
and established. Everybody say established. Established in the faith. I think that's so important. We Again, people think that faith is a message or a movement or a personality. Of course, you know, I've worked and been around and ordained by some of the greatest quote-unquote word of faith leaders in our time. I realize the word of faith message has its uh, challenges, it has its critics, it has people that come against it. But yet faith in God is the foundation. And it says right here, established in the faith. Again, this is not my words, this is God's words. It's says, as you have been taught. So teaching faith, teaching believing and receiving is not just a movement of the 80s, which I came out of and a product of that because of my relationship and the people I've worked with before I've established this church. And by the way, the person I was ordained by, the person I was ordained by, Buddy and Pat Harrison. Uh, Dr. Harrison has, of course, gone on to be with the Lord, but this is Kenneth Hagin's daughter, who is considered to be one of the fathers of the faith as far as the faith movement, whatever you would call that. But you know, as Dave and I and Shelby and others who have ties into all this, especially Dave with his parents, Shelby with her dad, who works for Kenneth Copeland Ministries and, and the relationships we have there. It's not about a man or a movement or about a certain time frame. It's about what the Word of God says because the Word of God is timeless. And it says right here, it says we're to be established in this faith as we are taught, abounding in it, talking about abounding in this type of teaching with thanksgiving. When you learn how to believe and receive, from God and you start receiving from God, one of the things it does in your life, it causes you to be thankful. You know, a lot of people in religious churches that just teach, you know, how do I say it, salvation only, which is thank God for the denomination that I grew up in, Southern Baptist, <laughs> that taught salvation all the time. And thank God, I mean, you can't go to heaven without, you know, receiving Jesus as Lord. And you need to be born again. But there's something more to the Christian life. That's the beginning. You know, I was born on December the 8th, 1963. That was the beginning of my life. But there's, of course, 58 years and longer in between all that. You see what I'm saying? And that's, that's the same thing with the Christian life. And I'm so thankful for what I've learned. I've learned a lot and I'm still learning. And I think that's you and I how to be, as it says right here, to be what? Rooted and built up in him, established in faith. So what is this faith? Again, this is just a refresher here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the most classic of it. I will get to verse 1 of Hebrews 11, but notice what it says in Hebrews 11, 6. And I would encourage you to look on the screens or look in your iPad, your iPhone. You need to touch it with your eyes to, to really get a grasp hold of what I'm talking about over the next couple of minutes. Hebrews chapter 11, notice what it says here. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. I think this is so important in clarifying what I'm talking about. It says, without faith, as a matter of fact, let's read it together. But without faith, come on, everybody together in harmony on one, two, three. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder, notice that, of those who diligently seek him. So back up for a second. How do you please God? What's the question there? How do you please him without what? Faith. Without believing him. Notice what it says and it clarifies it. He who comes to God must believe. There's the key thing. Must believe. You know, Christianity is an action word. Uh, most people are very passive about their Christianity, not really in this church setting, but outside of this church setting. When I mean passive is they just sort of go through life and whatever comes and whatever happens. And by the way, when they get in a 911 crunch, they'll leave their denominational church and they'll call someone like me because it amazes me their pastor doesn't really believe anything when it comes to receiving from God, but they like going there because of how big it is or the socialness of it. 
it or they got friends there. And that's great to go to a church, but you know, if the presence and the power of God is not there, you might as well go to a country club, okay? You mean seriously, because you know, if, if the presence of God is not in a church, if you can't if you can't sense it during worship, if you can't sense it during the message, if the pastor's up there or the minister's up there going through an intellectual discourse and you don't have the sense of the presence of God and revelation of the Word of God, I, I don't know what you'd call that. I, I guess you call it religion, okay? And uh, religion doesn't do anything for anybody but someone who's up there teaching you how to have a relationship with God, which is the whole mission of Metroplex Family Church. We founded this church on one thing— for you to have a knowing, growing relationship with God. I mean, that's what absolutely causes me to do what I do, is for you to have that knowing, growing relationship with God. If you're not having that, if you're not experiencing our mission here, which is to extend the love of God, it's an E4 mission, it's real simple. We extend the love of God, which God's not mad at people, okay? I mean, a lot of people believe that God's mad at them. They believe because, you know, <laughs> they've done this or done that, that God's mad at them. And they're staying away by the thousands in, from churches. Or they go to a church big enough so they'll hide in the back. You ever seen that? I was talking to a person the other day. I said, well, hey, where are you going to church? Well, I go to, uh, well, they went to Gateway, which is, I deeply respect Robert Morris, a great church over there in Southlake. And I got to prodding them, you know. I said, well, yeah, they're doing this and doing that. I actually saw a message the other day. I said, did you see that message? They said, no. I didn't. I didn't see that message. I said, well, I saw that message today. I said, well, how many times do you go? Well, we go maybe twice a year, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, what a great church, and you're missing. I said, I attend your church more than you do <laughs> as far as online because I watch his messages, and I respect him, and I do respect their leadership structure. But that's the thing. They just have this sort of, you know, what I'm just going to go through the Christian life. And by the way, I understand jobs and responsibilities and things like that. People like that purpose to do that. They hide in the back. You know why? They don't want a knowing, growing relationship with the Lord. They don't want accountability. They don't want to get into an environment where, you know, they begin to understand that, hey, I've got to do something. But my relationship with God is not a just about what, I, what he has done for me, but how do I respond and react to my relationship with him? And I think that's, again, our E4 mission is real simple. We extend the love of God. We equip people in understanding who they are in Jesus Christ because if you don't understand who you are in Jesus, you're missing out on the very reason of the Christian faith. I mean, Jesus has paid a dear price, and there's the word empower that we use, which simply means that we want you to walk in this life. We want you to walk in this eternal destiny that's been provided for you and I. It's not for you to exist. It's for you to do something. You have a mission. You have a calling. You have a divine purpose. And then finally, the fourth word is we use the word experience. We believe in family. We believe in the family of God. We believe as we move through the summer here, there's some things that we want to do is as far as getting our team ministry into a place where people, I call them summer essentials is what I'm looking at, and getting people into a place where they're growing in their relationship with the Lord, but they're growing in their relationship with each other. That, you know, we can have great, healthy relationships through a local church. And again, I want to see some things happen in these areas, in all areas of ministry, our student ministry, as well as our, our, our young couples and young couples that have children. One of the things I'm so thankful for in this church family is we got a lot of young couples and, uh, and couples that are coming in that have young children or will be having young children. I think it's awesome. Children are awesome. And everybody said, 
Amen. They are. And grandchildren even what? More awesomer. <laughs> More awesomer, if that's a word. Anyway, that's right. And uh, my point with all that is, it's the dynamic of the family. So we're extending the love of God. We're equipping. We're empowering. And then we're engaging. We're experiencing one another. And I think, again, this is a summer of things that are happening that are absolutely awesome. We've got a, a thing that, that really is strong on my heart that I'll be introducing here uh, in the next couple of days. It's called growing. And that's to get you a place where you have a really strong, healthy, growing relationship with the Lord. Not on Sundays, but seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that he is, in the words of Willie Nelson, that song, You Were Always On My Mind. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, you know, I know that's referring to, you know, y'all are laughing because it's, it's actually a good song. I wish I'd have wrote it personally. And if I'd have wrote that and had the royalties on that, we would be in a really large building right now. Okay, so nothing wrong with Willie other than he needs to put that weed down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll never forget, I was on tour one time, that's where I became a Christian, and man, I'll tell you what, I was with him, and he, you talk about, him and the Rolling Stones are two people, two groups of musicians, I've, I've never been around the Rolling Stones, but I've, Willie Nelson is different, because I was in a country background, but these guys never change and never age, I think the Rolling Stones have been on their 1980 final world tour, and it's what, 2021 at the time of this recording, but anyway, praise the Lord, my point with all that is, is nothing to relate to the message, but seriously, Willie Nelson wrote that song, and um, I think that, again, him referring to, you know, in a love relationship, but that's the way we want to be with our relationship with the Lord. You're always on my mind. As a matter of fact, in my life, it is. Ever since I became a Christian, the God is the, is, again, he's never, he's never more than a thought away, because I love him not because of what I am, but who he is and what he's done for me. And so I just want to encourage you in that kind of relationship with the Lord. As it says in Hebrews eleven six. 6 here, it says this simply. It says what? It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I like this. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Notice what it says here. This is awesome. Another faith declaration. Again, just to inspire your faith, to motivate your faith, to motivate you to be a person of faith. First <clears throat> John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, whatever. Let's read this together, if you don't mind. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, that's, that's encouraging, is it not? And this is the victory. Everybody say victory. Victory that overcomes the world. Jesus' faith? No. It says our faith. So you and I have a responsibility of believing. We have a responsibility of, of, of taking this divine deposit of faith and growing it. You know, successful athletes, they are not lazy people. They are diligent people. Those who have achieved anything successful as far as in the athletic realm, what are they? They're people of discipline. They're people of determination. And we should be that with our own faith, that God's given us a deposit of faith, this believing. And we're to do something with it. We're to exercise this. And I think that's so important because it says in Hebrews 11, if they'll put up the, the Moffat translation, I like this, of verse 1. It says this, now, now I like this, it says, now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Isn't that awesome? This is the Moffat translation of Hebrews 11. Well, as a matter of fact, the New King James simply says this in Hebrews 11. Let me just read it to you real quickly, and we'll do a comparison of the both of them. So you'll see it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I like the Moffat. It says that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of we, what we do not see. 
see. The Brian Jacobs version says this. It says, I'm actually believing in something I'm not seeing. And so sometimes when we walk through life, when you're believing for something and you're, you're putting your faith in God, you're not necessarily seeing the manifestation of it yet. But notice what it says here in this translation. It says, well, look at that word. It says, we're confident of what we're hoping for. We're confident of this manifestation of God in our lives in this particular area. And I like what uh, Corey Ten Boom said, and Jesse Duplantis has, uh, has been quoted to saying this a lot. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Notice that. Faith sees the invisible, it believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. What do you do, though, Pastor Brian, when there's pain and pressure, and you're trying to believe God for this promise by faith? I, I tell you, that's not an easy thing to do, but you have to press on. You know, life is not about the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. It's about the fourth quarter. And how do you win? in life? How do you win any sports event, specifically football? You've got to persevere all the way to the end. And sometimes when you're believing for healing or you're believing for a financial situation or a relationship. Now, by the way, you, we can exercise faith in those areas, but sometimes when you're dealing with people and people are involved, you can't you know, exercise your own will over another person. I mean, you pray for your spouse, you pray for that family member, that co-worker, or whatever the situation, but you can't manipulate them into doing what's right. You've got to pray that the Spirit of God would deal with them and the Holy Spirit will and that they would listen, but that at the same time, you have to exercise your life to be everything God has called you to be and let God deal with that person. So many times I just literally cast the care of things over upon people. You know, one of the things about churches and not just this church, but in churches, you know, sometimes people come and people go and people whatever the reasons are. And I understand people go from other churches or whatever, especially a doctrinal issue or some kind of issue, a moral issue or something like that. I mean, I understand that. You know, with some churches, uh, pastors and leaders fail uh, and, and don't have the accountability structure like that we have here at Metroplex Family Church or the pastor's, you know, a dominant figure. I, I, re- I refuse to be a dominant figure. I don't have my name on the marquee. I don't have my name on this, that, or the other. I'm responsible, but at the same time, this is not a personality-driven church like so many others because I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the Lord. I want it to be about who He is, not about who I am because if you build it around a man or build it around an ideology as far as you know this kind of message then that that will come and go but if you build it around the Lord, it's healthy. If you build it around people, it's even healthier. And I like what it says right here. This is another point. It says, every great move forward in life begins with faith, a step into the unknown, trusting God. It's like when I started this church. You know, I had um, $5,000 to start the church, and I started the church over there at Taylor Elementary, and it was just simply uh, Sheila and I. Jonathan wasn't able to join us at the time, and uh, it was just us and, 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 and literally Richard and Misty Moore. And so uh, we just started by faith, and I stepped out into the unknown, and I obeyed God, and I'm so glad I did because, you know, traveling was, was fun. It was a, there was a, a joy to it, uh, but, you know, after 48 weekends of traveling, you just got to a place where you were tired of that. And I'll never forget, I knew the grace was running out and stepping out and by faith was when I was in, um, I was in uh, New York one, one day or one, uh, one, uh, one day and then the rest of that trip I was in Sacramento. 
And uh, I'll never forget, I got up in the middle of the night, and I just slammed, ran right into the wall, because it was in the last hotel, it was over on this side, and on this, in this hotel, it was in, when my head hit that, and by the way, I didn't say any words other than praise the Lord. <laughs> That's the true test when you uh, get in a situation like that. What cometh out of thy moutheth? Anyway, um, but anyway, I just knew there was the grace to stop traveling, and uh, by the way, I got, was getting tired of the airports, getting tired of of hotels, and I just, you know, was just to the point where this is, there's no grace in this, but at the same time, I knew I had to step out in faith, and I'm glad I did, because as I said right here, every great move forward in life begins with faith, and I said, Father, here I am, there's, you know, (laughs) there is no income, I mean, there's income when I travel, there is no income unless people, you know, decide to join into this church family, and so here we start, and so September of 2004, the last, the Sunday of September 2004, uh, we started Metroplex Family Church, and we haven't looked back. Never have I ever, ever, ever wanted in 16 years to say, hey, we quit. Even though there was one Sunday I was in New York, um, I went to New York for Dr. Billy Graham's final crusade and uh, his last meeting, and I was with him that weekend, and um, uh, Sheila spoke for me, as this was at Hughley, and for some reason, uh, a lot of people, the people that we had was a lot of people were out, and uh, the, the attendance was very low that day, and um, this, was, this was the actual giving that day. Are you ready for this? It was $5, $5, $5, and uh, I was in New York, and I called her. I was, this is after the Billy Graham. I was sort of sad. I was dealing with the emotions because here I, I just stood before Dr. Graham, and here he is ending all of his ministry. He was frustrated because he did not want to quit, but physical limitations. Uh, he did not want to use a walker, and he was in the back throwing that walker around, <laughs> and he was mad. And, I, you know, you can just sense that, you know. He was a senior adult that was frustrated that he was being forced to quit. And so, and they were $6 million upside down at the end of that meeting. So here it is at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I went from the crusade site at Flushing Meadows, you know, where the tennis courts are for the U.S. Open, whatever that tennis match is. Anyway, that's where we were having the meeting is outside. I went, I, 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 we gave as a church, we gave a significant gift towards that, that $6 million deficit that day. I get back to the hotel room, and I'm eating, and uh, I said, well, let me call Sheila. And uh, so I called her, and she told me about that. And uh, the pastor friend of mine was coming to pick me up around for that evening. We were just going to be together. Uh, my dear friend, Pastor Jack Uris at uh, Hudson Valley Family Church, who I love very, very much. Anyway, he came to pick me up, Raymond graduate. And so he came and picked me up. And, but I was talking to Sheila, I'll never forget, I was walking in that hotel room, looking out this beautiful courtyard area, and I was saying, Lord, I know that you called me at Metroplex Family Church, I know you called me to be here in New York with Dr. Graham, I know this is a sense of history, all of us are here with him, and, but I know that you call me, and I am never, ever, ever, ever going to give up on what you call Metroplex Family to do, regardless of what happened you know, in today's situation. And uh, so I've never quit, and I knew what God, where God guides, He provides. And it wasn't long after that, we had a situation where we had an actual merger with this church that was here before us, that was in this facility, and merged with us, and things started happening. It's all because you come to a place where when the pressure is on, 
And, and you, I mean, it felt like in that hotel room, Satan himself walked in the door, sat right down in my little chair area there in the hotel, and said, you know what, you just need to quit that church. You need to quit that church, and you need to travel full-time like you're doing. As a matter of fact, I had an offer from the Billy Graham team. Why don't you come work with us? You can still live in Texas and still do this, and, and this is what we'd pay you or start paying you. I mean, all those things were, were just, just staring me in the face and continually getting called by churches to come speak. And so, but I'll never forget, I walked in that little room after I hung that phone up. This is the days before cell phones. This, I don't know if some of you young people will not remember this, but some of us had to carry around a beeper. <laughs> I know you, listen, you could go to a museum and see what a beeper is, okay? But you don't understand that. Sort of like one day when you dig up things, you'll see what an eight-track player was, okay? And some other things. And maybe, maybe one day we'll explain to you what a VCR is, okay? <laughs> Because you don't really understand all that stuff, you know. Was it made by Apple, Pastor Brian? I, I mean, I don't know if it's an Apple, you know, if it's, if it, you know. No, it wasn't made, you know, listen, we, we were back there with the beeper days. Okay. Anyway, how many of you had a beeper that was voice activated? I had one of those one time where there's somebody call you and have a voice on it. That's back in the 80s. That is a long time. My first cell phone that I had in my vehicle was about this big. <laughs> so, and I mean, it was awesome. It had a little antenna on it. Anyway, it went about about 50 yards or something like that. So anyway, uh, I listen to all your young people like, wow, dad, you, you really came back there in the Civil War, man. That's, that's really back there where your grandpa days back there in the Revolutionary War. Anyway, you'll get, you'll get it one day. You really ought to appreciate the technology y'all have right now. Y'all are actually really spoiled. And my, <laughs> I mean, you really are. I mean, you really are. This generation is spoiled, are they not? I mean, we got it delivered to our porch through Amazon, okay? Do you know how many boxes I get a day from Amazon for Allison? I mean, the Amazon guys are on a first-name basis, okay? Pinkerton is actually serving them coffee and biscuits, okay, my dog. Because we got, you know, we're, we, you know, we got to have the latest and the greatest, okay? And if we don't get it quick enough and fast enough, we're going to have an anxiety fit. And then we go to the doctor and we get a prescription for that. Anyway, what happened to hard work and believe in God, okay? And but not being so spoiled about it. And you know, if you don't have $5,000 in your account, oh my God, Daddy and Mommy, you need to provide everything. What happened to work? Anyway, that's the same thing with faith and believing God. We're so spoiled. And people sometimes get a little mad at me as a pastor. Like sometimes they'll say, please pray for me. Then I will call them up and I say, okay, you lead us in prayer over you. No, you're supposed to pray for me. No, you need to pray. Come on, get your big boy britches on and let's pray. You believe God. I can't be there to hold your hand all the time, but God is there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you'll connect with him, you've connected with the power source. I'm telling you what, God is able and he wants to make a difference in your life. But is your faith like Thomas's faith or is your faith like Abraham's faith? Let me, let me just close it with, with this and we're going to do communion. Turn over to John chapter 4. I mean, John chapter number 20. And I want to show you something about this. This is interesting to me. 
John chapter 20. This is after <laughs> Jesus was, and again, forgive me, young people, for getting fussing at y'all, but seriously, I, I am concerned about our generation and our work ethic, okay? I mean, seriously, I mean, people today are, are not as uh, aggressive. And listen, if we were in a World War II situation like we are right now, do you think, I mean, as much as I love, I mean, I've gone to Burleson High School, and I have wondered, would those young people that are graduating right now from high school be willing to enough be willing enough to land on the beaches of Normandy and do what that generation did at that time do you, do you I don't think they can I really don't and by the way it's not belittling I just think as parents and leaders something's wrong I mean seriously look at my uncle's generation who was at that age at that time who landed on Iwo Jima and carried machine guns on the Iwo Jima beaches and dug down in there and fought their way inch by inch literally to that, to that victory. I mean, could this generation today coming out of Burleson High School and all these other high schools do that? I'm concerned. I don't know if they could. I mean, really, you think about it. And uh, I mean, and spiritually, where are people today? We've got such great, awesome technology where people can go to church and all that. But where is their faith today? And where, where is their believing God? I mean, if they get a setback, if they get one thing wrong, man, they just quit on God. I didn't get my healing. I'm done with it. You know what? I gave my $10 one time. That was my tithe. I tithed one time, and it didn't work then, and I just quit financially. Okay, okay, okay. You know, I, I hate to hear that, and I hate for you to give up on God, but God is not the problem. It's your tenacity and wanting to quit and being so easily moved by quitting. You know, failures are sometimes a part of life, but sometimes failures motivate you. In that hotel room, I was motivated to do what I did. As a matter of fact, that week, are you ready for this? I came back, Dave, after the Billy Graham crusade, I bought a thousand steps to peace with God tracks. That's the Billy Graham track. I put together a brochure and I went door to door to 5,000 houses, door to door, putting those invitations out over a 21-day window. And the church began to grow and begin to have a stability that we've had ever since. But I was at a point of either I'm going to give up and quit or I'm going to press on to the other side. And I said, I'm going to do it by faith. I am going to do it by faith. And the rest is history. As a matter of fact, that's when, again, we merged with this church and other things happened and things started happening at Hughley and things started coming together. Because I'm telling you what, when you get to that place where either you're going to believe it and go to the next level or you're going to fall back and history is going to show how much of a failure you are. Watch this. this is, and again, please forgive me. I'm not trying to be condemning, but I am trying to be motivating and aggressive, okay? That's what it says in John 20. Look what it says here. John 20, verse 24. This is the situation with Thomas. It says, now Thomas called the twin. This is when Jesus was appearing to him. One of the 12, he's one of the 12 disciples, was not with him when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And notice this, and he said to them, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Isn't that sad? I mean, your own brothers, uh, the other 12, are telling you they saw the Lord, and yet you're saying this foolishness, and it's recorded here. And after eight days, his disciples, this is verse 26, after eight days, watch this, his disciples are again inside, and Thomas was with them, and the Jesus came, the doors being shut. 
<laughs> Jesus walked through the wall. Isn't that pretty awesome? I tell you what, they, Hollywood has nothing on Jesus. Anyway, he walked through the door. He stood into them, the midst of them, and said, peace be with you. Isn't that awesome? I think that's so awesome. Isn't our Lord awesome? I mean, he is the ultimate John Wayne Clint Eastwood, okay? I mean, that's something Clint Eastwood would do, just sort of walk through the wall, him and John Wayne. Okay, moving right along. All right, even though they're greater than, he's greater than those two guys. <laughs> Look what it says in verse 27. And he said to him, Thomas... This is the love of God through Jesus. Reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here. Put it into my side. Watch this. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Notice that. And then he said to him, Thomas, watch this. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God, of course. And Jesus said to you and I, watch this. This is a word for you and I. Jesus said this to you and I at that very moment. Look at this. Look what Jesus said to you and I, verse 29. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He was talking about you and I. We haven't seen the Lord. We've not put our hands into his side or in the print of his nails, but we're believing. And look what it says here. It says, we're blessed to be believing. And over here in Romans chapter 4, let me close it with this before we go into communion here in just a moment. Romans chapter 4, we've got some people we want to pray for specifically. Romans chapter 4 perfectly captures just the opposite in Abraham. Abraham believed God. And notice what Abraham did in Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse number, well, for the sake of time, in verse number 18. And contrary in hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations according to what God has spoken to him. When God spoke to him, so shall your descendants be. Thank you so much for having us on the screen. In verse number 19, here's the key. And not being weak in what? Faith. He did not consider his own body. Isn't that a key? That's where you and I don't consider the situation. Listen to me just a couple of minutes as we receive communion. Whatever you're believing for, don't consider the situation. I know it's staring you in the face. I know it's telling you it's impossible. I'm t I know it's saying, hey, it'll never happen. But I'm saying, don't what? Don't consider the situation. In this case, it was the deadness of Sarah's womb and, and, the, and be him being 100 years old. But notice what it says in verse 20. Watch this in verse 20. Look what it says here. In verse number 20, it says, He didn't waver. At the promise of God, but he was what through unbelief? He was what, but and notice that's what Jesus said about Thomas. He said, Don't be what? Unbelieving, but be believing. Be a believing believer. But he was strengthened in his faith. He was strengthened in what he was believing God for. He refused to let words come out of his mouth contrary to what he was believing for. Sometimes you got to stay off Facebook, sometimes you got to shut your mouth and do not say anything. And don't release what you're feeling. You say, Pastor Brian, I just want to share my feelings. No, you don't. He did what? What did he do at the end of this verse? He gave glory to God. That is the ultimate act of faith. Lord, I praise you. I praise you. It's not by what I feel. It's not by what I'm seeing. I want to thank you that I am believing you in this situation. That there is going to be turnaround. There will be turnaround in Jesus' name. There will be turnaround. I'll never forget after that time where Sheila had the $5 offering. I set aside, I put my own money as a matter of fact at this time. I put $500 away in a special area in my home. And I said there will never be a day in the history of Metroplex Family Church that we ever have $500 again. There will always be $500 given on a Sunday. Always. And I still have that $500. 
Because I said, I am never going to look back. I am going to look forward. I am not going to give up. Where God guides, he provides, and what he called me to do, he is the instigator of this calling. It is not my assignment. It is not my will. It is his will. I'm submitted to his will. And I know that when you do things his way, everything's got to work itself out. Everything's got to work itself. And you know how many people called me that week after I got the $5? All kinds of calls from pastors. How you doing? How many you doing? How you doing? You know, all pastors all call. They want to know two things. They want to know how many people came and how much money you got. I mean, that's the classic. And I refuse to answer them. <laughs> I refuse to give in to that. Because you know what? I'm going to be like Abraham. I am fully convinced, as it says right here in verse 21, that what God has promised, what God has called, what God has given to me through Jesus Christ, He will perform in my life, my body, and my family. It doesn't matter if I'm having to attend a funeral. It doesn't matter if people around me are sick. It doesn't matter if things are falling apart. I am going to trust Him. He is going to change this situation around. If it, if it, if it comes to a place where I've got to literally immerse myself into faith only, refusing fear, refusing worry, refusing anxiety, refusing to talk about it or text about it or take phone calls about it. I'm going to do that because God is faithful to turn this thing around. If I trust Him, He is God. He is not. God is God. I mean, He is Almighty God. He is the one that created the world. And if He raised Jesus from the dead, He can sure make my mortgage payment. He can sure take me through this situation. He can sure turn this around and bring me victory in this situation if I trust Him. But I've got to fight this fight of faith. If I just lay down and quit and sit in a chair and say, woe is me and pitiful me and pitiful my life and just be pitiful, 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 then I'm going to be defeated every single time. If you're not going out and giving instead of always taking, you're going to be one miserable person. My God, I'm doing some good preaching today after three or four weeks of not being up here. Amen. I give myself an amen. That's pretty good, Pastor Brian. I'm going to give you my $5 off in after the service anyway. Seriously. I mean, you know, sometimes we look at a Nick Saban or a great football coach and think they're coaching people, you know, to win in the games. Listen, I'm coaching you in the game of life, and sometimes it's not fun. I have been to practices with Nick Saban, and he doesn't patty cake around. He doesn't distribute Diet Cokes and Twinkies. He gets in their face, and he tells them and uses language I can't use up here. But at the same time, he motivates men to be excellent in what they're doing. And he repeats the process over and over and over and over and over again. And that's why my university has more championship rings than anybody over this period of time. Because somebody's willing to stand up and say, hey, if you want to be something as far as in this area, you've got to do something beyond yourself. And that's the same thing here. Abraham is the father of faith because he believed beyond himself. And I just want to encourage you today. We're about to take communion here, and guys, you go ahead and distribute the communion elements, and let me read a verse of Scripture here. We want to pray specifically, Dave and Shelby, first of all, for Sue Sanders, and um, Miss Sue is a precious part of our body of believers, and Dave and Shelby are going to help me here. We're going to pray over her, starting with her, and Miss Bonnie Allen's going to come here in just a minute. We're going to orchestrate all this, and y'all are going to actually pray over her spine area. Right now, her oxygen levels are normal. But it's her back area. She could not have an MRI this week because um, 
She just simply couldn't lay on the table for them to test the, to, to see what's actually going on with her back area. But you know what? We're going to let Dr. Jesus work on her back area right now, okay? Enough's enough about this situation. She's a young lady, and she needs to live long and live strong, okay? And she's not, you know, her lungs are stable. And just take your elements and hold on to them. And, and I know Mr. Elwood was having trouble with that juice. I had trouble with it before. I, don't worry, Mr. Elwood. I spilled it all over the thing up here one time. So anyway, but praise the Lord for this juice. Take your juice just real quickly. Listen to this. And then Dave and Shelby are going to help me. And uh, thank you so much for um, allowing me to share my passion this morning. Because I'm telling you, faith not only pleases God, but faith in God will change your life. Regardless of what you're going through, don't you dare give up. You are minutes away from a turnaround if you'll trust in God and not yourself. Notice what it says that Jesus said here about these elements you're putting together real quickly. He said it beautifully in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Of course, the Apostle Paul talked about receiving this revelation. And Jesus said this from verse 23 to 24. He said, take ye, this is my body that is broken for you. So if you're at home right now, please get some juice, get some elements. Participate with us, okay? Let this powerful communion time change your life. He said in this same manner, he said, what? Take this cup, this cup is, and drink it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till you come, until He comes. I, I, I just, I'm just since the Holy Spirit. I forgot this verse of Scripture in my outline, but I'm going to read it real quick. Just Mark 11:22, because actually we're going to speak words of faith not in this prayer time, but as we pray, if we pray individually. Mark 11:22, Jesus said, "Have faith in God." He said, I say to you that whoever says to the mountain, whoever says to the situation, and by the way, receive this right now for whatever you're going through. Listen to me. We're closing this service. It looks like it's about to rain again, so may God turn all our cars into boats so we can go into home. <laughs> but anyway, seriously, it says, whoever says to the situation, be removed and be cast into the sea or cast away and does not doubt in his heart, but believes God, for the things he says will done, he'll have whatever he says. There's power in your words. And if you've been speaking fear, stop that. Stop speaking fear. Stop speaking things. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm just sort of speaking out of my whatever. Well, listen, just, just don't, don't do that anymore, okay? Notice what it says here in verse 24. It says, whatever things you ask, don't beg God, ask him. And notice what it says, ask and believe that you receive them and you shall have them. In the name of Jesus, this is what we're supposed to do. In verse 25, by the way, none of this works without verse 25. There's faith, there's hope, which is expectancy, and then there's love. When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. But if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Man, it's a dangerous thing when you hold things against people. Oh, I can't forgive them, Pastor Brian. You don't know what they did. Hey, listen, I would not cross that line with the Lord. I'd forgive real quick. Forgive. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Please don't hold anything. Don't be bitter. Don't be resentful. You, well, you just don't know what's going on, Pastor Brian. You know what? It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm not talking about what they did. I'm talking about what you're doing. If you hold that bitterness and that resentment, you can forget about these things working for you because God is a God of love. I mean, man, I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. 
It's dangerous not to forgive. As a matter of fact, I have a, a niece that's graduating from Tulane this afternoon. It's my cousin's daughter, his only child. But his grandmother, I was talking to my mother yesterday, and we were communicating with the family, and how sad it is that her grandparents are not there this afternoon watching her graduate and begin a career in medicine like her mom and her dad did. You know why? Because her grandmother was so bitter, never would forgive. Yes, her husband committed adultery on her, but he repented. Yes, things happened to her, but she never would forgive anything and anybody. And she told me over and over and over, even though she had all this money and she had all these things going for her, a beautiful house, beautiful car, everything you could want financially. Her husband was vice president of Oxford Manufacturing, the biggest shirt company in the world at that time, still is, the Oxford shirt brand. And she was miserable all because she violated this verse of Scripture. I refuse to forgive. I refuse to forgive. I refuse to forgive. And I'm telling you what, Man, she died literally of a broken heart at 58 years old. According to the doctors, they said physically her heart went down, but they said emotionally because this is what the doctor said, not me, not my mother, not her own son who's a doctor. The doctor literally said because she emotionally was heartbroken, it affected her physical heart, and she literally died of a broken heart unforgiveness. So take those elements right now. We're going to pray We're going to pray and release our faith for Ms. Bonnie to help us with Ms. Uh, Sue. But take that wafer right now and just break it and say, Lord Jesus, I hold this element in my hand, your body that was broken. Thank you for forgiving me as I forgive others. Thank you for making me whole by what you did for me. Your body, your blood, I receive it right now. And by faith in you, in your power, in your provision, I receive health, I receive healing, and I receive freedom in my life in every area to be everything you call me to be. In your name I pray, in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. And take that juice. Hold that juice up. And let's say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood that forgives me as I forgive myself, as I forgive others. Let's drink together. Amen. Thank you. Ms. Bonnie, if you'll come up, Dave and Shelby, if you'll grab a mic real quick. Just grab that mic real quick and help me out here. And then um, we're going to, by the way, Dave and Shelby are going to be over here to my side, to my right side. If you have anything that you want to be prayed about as far as physically or the prayer of agreement after the service, let them take the time. And I know David Shelby have kids, <laughs> but bear with us. But we want to uh, we want to pray with you. Okay, we don't want to rush through this. Um, Dave and Shelby understand the healing of Jesus Christ, and they want to they want to take the time. But first of all. Let's go back. So, Shelby, if you'll help me, Dave, I'm going to let y'all pray over and then go from there. Um, Miss, Miss, um, Miss Sue, it's her back area, and they just don't understand what's going on there. They need an MRI, but we thank God her lungs are, are stable. Uh, am I forgetting anything else, Miss Bonnie? I don't think so. No, it's just her back area. So right now, Dave and Shelby, if y'all take the mic and pray over a proxy for her. As a matter of fact, Miss Bonnie has been graciously going over there taking food. And uh, if you would like to help with that, 
uh, Curtis Clary, who's a part of our church. He's traveling this weekend working, but he's been cooking hamburgers for them so uh, and taking milkshakes because uh, she likes milkshakes. And uh, we're just determined to stand in faith. How many of you remember Miss Sue? I mean, she's standing in the back. She was the ultimate greeter, and Mr. Wendell is the ultimate fixer. And so, hey, Dave and Shelby, listen, step up, I'm going to step aside, and y'all pray for her and take that mic and so people can hear you. Go ahead. You go ahead, Shelby. All right, so what is there on your heart? Yeah, I think it's on. Well, um, I get word to her. Yes. Miss Sue, we love you. And yes. for all of you that don't understand this, this is this is biblical. Laying on the laying on of hands That's to receive right. healing is biblical. And it's something that in scripture we see over and over again. And the word also says there's no time and there's no distance in the spirit. That's right. So right now, Miss Bonnie just standing in place for Miss Sue, and she's just standing here to receive what Miss Sue's not physically here to receive. That's but Miss Sue, wherever she's at, can receive. She's in faith and standing to receive. So why don't all of you? This is a family church. Why don't all of you stretch your hands out to Miss Bonnie right now? Yes. And Jesus. let's all. Just come into agreement right now, Father God. We just lift up Miss Sue to you. And in the name of Jesus, whatever is wrong, you make right. We call on the great physician right now. We call on the mighty healer right now. Our Jehovah Jireh, the God of more than enough. Our Prince of Peace, we speak peace and wholeness and whatever is wrong to be made right in her back right now in the name of Jesus. Everything that is out of alignment be made into alignment. Any muscle or ligament that needs to be repaired to hold the bone structure in place, Father God, repair it. All cartilage, all... Um, all things that work together in those bones work properly the way you designed and created them to work that a new creation will start in her back that we speak life into it we breathe the breath of god and the life of god into that back in the name of jesus and all that is concerning her all that is concerning her that she would walk upright in the name of jesus Thank you, Lord and Father. We speak to her spinal column. We speak to we, we speak to the the vertebrae, the discs, everything in her back. We speak health. We speak life. We speak strength to that spine. We speak that it that it is straightened in Jesus' name. That any any nerves that might be pinched, any uh, anything that's causing causing pain, Lord. We thank you that we we received communion celebrating your sacrifice for us that by your sacrifice by what you've done for us on the cross we've received healing so now we receive it in miss sue's back and we speak health we speak wholeness we speak life to that back now in jesus name back straighten out and be whole in jesus name straighten out and be whole in jesus name hallelujah David Shelby. They're going to be praying for some other. They'll pray for anybody that wants to be prayed for. We want to take the time to do this right. As a matter of fact, I was praying yesterday and I was just seeking the Lord. And I know that Dave and Shelby, they're just, they, there's healing. Like Shelby said it perfectly, even though 
whatever with the restrictions or whatever. They want to minister to you and uh, in just a couple of minutes here. By the way, I want to pray for Barbara and Glenn Yancey. Barbara, uh, and, and of course, Walt and Jean will let you know about this too. Uh, Barbara's been dealing with some things as far as her face and some medication. So uh, they're, they're watching right now. So Father, we just pray for Barbara and Glenn right now, specifically Barbara, in the name of Jesus, for her for a wholeness in her body as well as Glenn's. I know there's medication she's on. We come against those side effects, but we believe for healing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we receive it for Barbara and Glenn Yancey. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And by the way, before we let them pray and we close this service out, I think, Jonathan, you're closing the service out right. Hey, um, I just want to remind you, we in the month of June are going to have water baptism. And so uh, if you've never been baptized in water, please, please, please get in contact with me. We have some candidates. And I really want to... uh, get with our um, our team, our elders, and, and have it here as far as our tank behind us. And by the way, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is something else to talk to Dave and Shelby about. This is something, two things that we as Sheila and I have been talking to them as a couple, we are strong in. Number one, we are strong in. As a matter of fact, Dave and I were talking about yesterday. Today is the day of Pentecost, which is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus put the Holy Spirit into the earth, not for us to just to have a good feeling or to evangelize, but to have power. And so uh, we want to help you with that. This booklet is the testimony. Uh, I mean, how I received this gift is is how is is outlined in this book, and that is on your way out, or you can contact us at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com. Dave and Shelby would love to help you in this area. As a matter of fact, I've really come to a place that even though a lot of people don't understand this as far as this gifting or understand it as far as in the dynamic of it, I, I just feel like we need to push it, Jonathan, because not only is it biblical, but it's power. I just want you to know, again, it's not for something to, to demonstrate, to look at me. It's something that's of a, is a personal prayer language, but there's power in it. And don't just listen to me. I would like for you to listen to Dave and Shelby. Let them talk to you about this. And if you want this booklet, I want to give this to you. So exciting things are happening. As a matter of fact, Jonathan and I and Taylor and the rest of the team will get together soon because in our summer essentials, we want to develop our outreach and our team ministry even more. There's some things that we want to do here. As far as in health and healing, I met with Dr. Jose Rosada, who's been my primary care physician now for, for, I don't know, 15 plus years. And he's developed what he calls a healing clinic. And so where he's actually ministering to the natural man. But Dave, he wants to partner with us to do add the component of healing, supernatural healing into it, which is something you and I have talked about. So we're actually looking into a, a healing clinic that we would use in this facility as well as his facilities over there at Hughley. He doesn't work for Hughley Hospital, but his he has an entire office complex that he now operates in. And he has this health clinic. I'm telling you, we're moving to two things. Third John 2 says that I pray that your soul prospers and that you would be in health. Thank God for healing. We want healing, but I want you to live in divine health. And by the way, if you're 50 and older, Dr. Rosado has a perfect plan on how you can strengthen your body that the older you get, the better you get. Hey, listen, I'm going to get you to 100 years old. I'm going to get you into supernatural healing and I'm going to get you into supernatural health. And if Jesus is, is, is tarrying, we're not looking for a hole in the ground. We're looking for what? A hole in the sky. Because <laughs> your pastor loves you. He wants you to live long and live strong. Amen. Nobody breaking down at 80. Nobody breaking down at 90. And maybe 
No, nobody's going to be like Abraham having father of children after 100. But anyway, seriously, nothing should be falling apart. You should get, in, get the older you get, the better you get, okay? And be strong and healthy and good looking like Dave and Shelby, all right? There's your model couple. <laughs> Seriously, you are girls. You are, Dave. Anyway, I love y'all and appreciate y'all. Jonathan, you'll close this service. Thank you for being here today. If I could be of any service to you, please, if you have anything you're dealing with, let's take the time. Let's pray over it in Jesus' name. For those that are watching that can't pray, you send me a note at metroplexfamilychurch.com. We will pray with you, and I'll get that to them. We want to agree with you in Jesus' name. I know some of you have contacted me this week about a healing school to see Dave and I do that again. We're going to work that out as well as we're working this out with Dr. Rosada because we want to not only help you naturally, but we want to help you spiritually in Jesus' name.